This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. All right, this is Jason. Jay, a chase? Chase. Okay, Chase, come on over here. Check this out. Huh? What do you guys think? Yeah. All right. Hey, Chase, when I grow up, I want to dress like you, man. You are styling. You are one handsome dude. Man, I just love the way you came dressed this morning. All right. I just had to, I just had to show you off to everybody. Go have a seat, Chase. Thank you so much. All right. All right. So when I was Chase's age, okay, I remember coming home from school and kids having called me names and teased me, all right, um, my name is Todd. It is not Todd the Toad, okay? For some reason, Bruce Willoughby on the playground in third grade decided to nickname me that. And the name stuck. And I went through grammar school with kids teasing me, calling me Todd the Toad. Can any of you relate to that? Did any of you have names? Did any of you get teased? When you were growing up, did anyone ever provoke you? Right? All right. I know you can relate to that, can't you? All right. And uh, as you get provoked and you get pushed and you want to respond more and more and more in, in like kind, don't you? Isn't that kind of how the flesh wants to respond to provocation in our lives? It starts when we're real little kids on the playground like me. Dan, do you have any appointments open? I can come talk to you about it. Okay, Dan Pinkerton is a, is a counselor. You don't need to help me? All right. Dan, Dan's a good man. He's a good man. But, but those things continue in our lives. And it seems like all of our life we're learning how to deal with, we're learning how to work through uh, issues of, of conflict, issues of um, provocation, issues when... In relationship, there's distress. And the, the news is this. Sticks and stones, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, right? But names, well, they really do hurt. But here's the good news. That God has given us something. God has given us... Um, the ability not to respond in kind. In fact, he's called us as followers of Jesus Christ not to live or respond to those who might provoke us, to situations that are causing us distress, all right? Not to respond in the flesh, not to respond in that visceral way, but instead to respond differently in a way 
that identifies us as being different, as being a follower of Jesus Christ in a way that people can literally see the life of Christ in us and through our response, the life of Christ being expressed even towards those who provoke us or cause us distress or may cause us pain. We've been going through a series these last several weeks uh, out of Galatians 5, and it's based uh, on a study the covenant is doing denomination-wide called Bearing Fruit, uh, Bearing Fruit in Prayer. And we've looked at Galatians 5, 23. Let's look at that again to remind us of where we've been. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, let's read this together, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if you have your Bibles and you're looking at Galatians 5 verses 22 through 23, I'm going to continue reading because it gives us a hint as to where we're going today. It says, against, their, against such things there is no law. You might remember as we started this series, I reminded us that Paul is writing to followers of Jesus in an area of Asia Minor called Galatia. And there's tension in this uh, church. There are those that are known as Judaizers. And they're saying that in order to follow Jesus, you must also adhere to the Jewish law. And so it's Jesus plus. Now, you need to understand something. Whenever it's Jesus plus anything, we diminish Jesus. Do you know that? And the reason these Judaizers were saying you, you need Jesus, but you also need to follow the law is because they had a question. How can we live virtuous lives as followers of Jesus? How can we maintain moral character? We must follow the law in addition to following Jesus. And Paul is saying, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that the law and the prophets uh, intended to represent. Jesus is the fulfillment of those things. In fact... If you have Jesus, you, as a follower of Christ, are indwelt with His Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Trinity. Co-eternal, co-equal, co-powerful. One God, three distinct persons. It is a mystery of our faith, but it is present through Scripture. The Holy Spirit is God. And the fruit of the Spirit is present in the life of all those who are followers of Jesus. In Ephesians, Paul writes that God gives us the Holy Spirit as a sign and as a seal of our belonging to Him. Not only that, but a guarantee. The, the Holy Spirit in us is literally a down payment that God is going to deliver on our heavenly inheritance. You see that? And the work of the Holy Spirit goes on in our life from the moment, right? 
the work of sanctification goes on in our life from the moment that we trust our lives to Jesus Christ and continues on all the days of our life. And what Paul is saying to the Galatians is you don't need the law. That if you're followers of Jesus and you are living with the Spirit of God in you and you are submitting to that Spirit, that you're not going to carry out the deeds of the flesh. You don't have to worry about your virtue or your moral character. It is the Spirit of God in you that will manifest fruit. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. You don't need the law. Okay? That's the context here. So, in Galatians 5, he says, Against us things there is no law, speaking of the fruit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Okay? The reality of the life of Christ in us. Then look at verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Verse 26 is going to give you the key to where we're headed today with our word patience. Alright? Let's look at verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Now, why would there be a need for patience in this church? Because you have people who are conceited, they're prideful, each is claiming that they know the proper way to follow Jesus. Some of them, the Judaizers who are trying to enforce the law in addition to Jesus, they're, they're teaching something that, that is false teaching. But people are... There's factions. There's dissension. There's strife. And Paul is saying that that's evidence that, that you are living and walking in the flesh rather than the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's what? Joy. It's peace. And then what? Patience. Now, this word patience. This word patience in this context is really talking about long-suffering. Bearing with someone. Not responding in the flesh but instead demonstrating the very patience that God has demonstrated towards us. Oh. Oh, I thought this was just about individual personal patience. You know, I used to be a more patient person. Uh Uh-uh. This isn't about that. I know a lot of you say, don't pray for patience because what? God will give you lots of opportunity to be patient. But you don't have to pray for patience because the Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. And what this is really about is submitting to the Spirit and allowing the patience that's already present through the life of the Spirit to be manifest in you and through you. Okay? It's about releasing what's already there. Not praying for more. 
And it's about the patience that God has demonstrated towards us. Literally what he's saying with this word patience is, and I'm going to show you some verses that illustrate this, is that you and I are called to be long-suffering with one another. And in that long-suffering, we are demonstrating the very patience that God had demonstrated with us in our lives. Do you think that we have been offensive to God? Do you think that we have provoked God? Well, the answer is yes, because sin has separated us from God. But the blood of Christ cleanses us from our sin. His death is the payment from our sin. And then we are, what? Reconciled with God. So yes, we provoked God. Yes, we offended God. Yes. And yet God is patient. God is long-suffering. Look at Psalm 103.8. Psalm 103.8, and, and you'll find this in other places in Scripture, but I love this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Can we read that together? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Now, the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And so the kind of patience or the long-suffering that Paul is calling us and that we need to pray and bear in our lives, pray for and bear in our lives, Lord, release the fruit of Your Spirit, the patience that is present through Your life in me. Would You release that today in this situation with this person in this circumstance? That kind of fruit, patience, is literally the compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, presence of God in our life expressed to others. And you're going, oh no. But I'm really upset with somebody. And I'm being provoked. Or I'm in a situation that's very difficult right now. And I'm being persecuted. I love what Thomas Akempis wrote. Be not angry that you cannot make others as you want them to be, since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Ooh. And so I come to the place where I realize and recognize that I'm a work in progress. I don't have to tell you that. Amen. Someone already knows that. All right? You all know that. But I, re I recognize that and realize that I'm a work in progress. And rather than focusing all my energy and all my effort and trying to produce the fruit of the Spirit in somebody else's lives, that I am actively engaged with the Holy Spirit in my own life so that fruit might be present in me and through me. Does that make sense? That I can't possibly be the man or you can't possibly be the man or woman that God has called you to be in your own strength, in your own power, then we're getting back to the works of righteousness, self-righteousness, and the law. 
But we need the life of Christ in us. And I need to focus on the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Okay? That's so important. Look at Philippians 2.13. I love this verse. For it is God who works in you. Who works in you? God. It doesn't say it's Lori who works in me. Now, Lori works on me, <clears throat> but she didn't work in me. Okay? Who is it that works in you? Who? Who? God. Okay? It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Isn't that good news? That God is at work in us through the Holy Spirit to fulfill His good purpose. So that not only am I submitting to the work of the Spirit that's ongoing in my life, but I'm also submitting to the plan and to the opportunities that God has given me in the places that He sends me to express those things and fulfill His purpose. Now, Paul was really aware of this. And he describes his own conversion or his own sense of how God chose him, called him out, worked in his life to fulfill God's purpose. Look at 1 Timothy 1, 15-16. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason... I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His immense what? Patience. Ah, I want, uh, you know that word right there? Patience? In the Greek, in the original language, is the exact same word that's used to describe the fruit of the Spirit. So Paul is saying that Christ displayed His what? Immense patience. We are called to a life in which the fruit of the Spirit is present. Love, joy, peace. What? Patience. It's the exact same word. Literally, the patience of God that's present in our lives through His Holy Spirit. That we're called to that. Wow. Amazing stuff. Immense patience as an example of those who would believe in Him and receive eternal life. In other words, Paul is saying is, hey, listen, my life's an example. If God can do this in me, He can do it in anybody. But it's because of His patience. He was very patience, patient with me. And He was at work in me to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. And so do you know when we're patient with other people, when our lives exude the very patience of God as the Holy Spirit in our life is active and present, 
and manifests itself? Do you realize that we also are acting in order to fulfill God's will and purpose in the lives of others? Do you know that? Wow. I know you didn't want man. You know, it's like, well, this isn't just personal patience. I need to be a more patient person. This is allowing the very life of God to be present in my life, in my relationship towards others. Okay? Now look at this. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, you know what that word holy means? It means set aside by God for God. You are a work of God. That you might be a part of fulfilling His good purpose. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. He didn't give us what we deserved. He gave us His unmerited favor, His his grace, amazing grace. Clothe yourselves. You know what that word means, clothe yourselves? It literally means to to put on. And, And so the idea is you take off the old garment of the old man or woman and you clothe yourself. You wear. You cover yourself with that new garment that reflects the life and righteousness of Christ. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. See this word and what? Patience. You know what that word is? It is the very same word that's in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's the very same word that Paul uses to describe God's attitude towards Him. It's the same word. Clothe yourselves with that patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. All right, here it comes. Are you ready? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is a message to Christians in Christian community. Believe me, as we live in community together with Christ in the center, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to demonstrate this kind of forgiveness. But the question is, Are we trying to do that in our own strength or are we submitting to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life and allowing the the fullness of the Spirit to be manifest so that we can do that? All right. Getting on here towards 10 o'clock. This is what I want to do this morning. I'm going to give you permission to do something. Are you ready? When you're provoked, when you're in a situation in which there is difficulty that's come your way that is a reflection of persecution or someone that's an antagonist towards you, rather than responding in kind, there are times when we just want to do what? Throw a fit, don't we? Can any of you relate to that? I mean, when you're being done wrong, 
Don't you just want to go, nah, right, and throw a fit? And you're saying, well, I can't do that because that's the Bible. This whole lesson just said you can't do that. Here's what I'm going to give you permission to do. Are you ready? I mean, this is, this is wonderful. Pastor Todd is giving you permission to leave here today and throw a fit in response to provocation. Are you ready? Number one, F, faith. Do you believe that God works all things together for good for those, what? Who are called according to His purposes. Do you believe that? Do I have faith in the sovereign God that in the worst of circumstances, when, 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 when somebody is provoking me or I'm being persecuted, something's being directed towards me that is not right, is unjust, is unfair, do I really believe that God is sovereign? Do I really believe that God is at work in that circumstance? Do I believe that He can change that person, change that circumstance? Do I believe that He can even use that to change me? Do I believe that? Do I have faith? Can I respond in faith? Can I be like Joseph? In Genesis chapter 50, when his brothers who beat him up and sold him into slavery, who, I mean, who did him wrong. Joseph was in a position of power and authority. I mean, he could have just said, ah, finally I get revenge. But what's he say? He says, you know something I've come to realize through all this, that God is sovereign and that He's faithful and what you intended in my life for evil or for bad or for hurt or for pain God is using that for good. And so he chose not to respond in kind. Can I have the faith of a Joseph? Number two, invite. Invite. F is faith. I is invite. In that situation, in that relationship, invite Christ to be present. And invite Christ to be present in you that you would not perpetuate the problem, that you would not respond by being an antagonist, but instead you would invite the Lord to manifest the fruit of His Spirit. And you can do that because you have faith to believe that God is sovereign and He can work in that relationship or that circumstance. Now check this out. I know I'm going a little over time, but this is such good stuff. I'm preaching to myself, by the way. I, I need to throw a fit. Okay? 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, where it talks about and describes the, the, um, the characteristics of love. It says this, Love is patient. Love is what? Kind. So do you realize that love is literally bracketed with patience and kindness? Now, Gordon Fee, a New Testament scholar, this is what he says about that passage. Oh, by the way, that word patient, oh, there it is again. It's the very same word that describes the patience of God. Okay? But here's what Gordon Fee says. Gordon Fee says that love, or excuse me, that, that patience is the passive side of love. 
Patience is long-suffering. Patience is choosing not to act. When you have every right to, and may be justified in doing it. And kindness is the active side of love. Choosing to act. So in patience, I choose not to act. I'm long-suffering. I don't give them what they deserve. But in kindness, I do act in the same way that God has acted towards us. Isn't that good stuff? Yeah, you woke up early to come hear that. So you need to throw a fit. Faith, invite Christ to be present. And finally, the T. Turn over. Turn over whatever that situation is. Turn it over to God. Turn it over to Him. Trust that He can work in that other person's life. And you know how you begin to turn over? You pray for that situation. You pray specifically for that person. Not that vengeance would be the Lord, but that God would work in that life, in that situation. And then you work at forgiveness. But you're going to say, but oh, Pastor Todd, what if somebody has wronged me to the point where it's like I just can't take it. They, they, they're, they're so wrong. They're acting so ungodly. They're not, they're not acting Christ-like. What, I, I can't let go of it. I'm like a dog with a bone because I want to make sure they get on track where they need to be. Guess what? You read Hebrews chapter 12. If you're concerned about a person, if you think that person's out of bounds, if you think that person's transgressed, not living a Christ-like manner, you know what Hebrews chapter 12 says? Turn it over to God. Trust God. Trust that person to God. Trust that situation to God. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 12 says God disciplines those whom He loves. So if that brother or sister is a follower of Jesus and they're out of line, guess what's going to happen? God is going to take care of it because He loves them. And He'll bring them back to where they need to be so you can turn it over and instead get, being, get busy praying and forgiving and invite Christ into your life and into your situation to literally express the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Tough stuff, but you can leave here today and you can now throw a fit and have it be honoring God. As the worship team comes forward, let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word today. We thank You that You do not call us to live in a way that's impossible, but a way that is a way of Christ. A more excellent way, a way of love. Love that is bracketed with patience and kindness. Love that reflects the very life of Your Son in us and through us. Father, if we're going to be the community that You want us to be, if we're going to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness, Father, it has to start right here. And it has to start with one another. And so we come to You today, Lord, not in a flippant way, but in a sincere way. Would You help us to throw a fit would You help us to have faith, to trust in Your sovereignty? Would You call us, each of us, to invite You into that area of our lives where we want to hold on to the situation or the, 
the grudge or the sense of injustice that's been done to us or is being done to us and instead invite Jesus into that place. And finally, Lord, would you help us to trust you? To let it go? And to know that you can work where we can't? Father, help us to love. Help us to pray. Lord, help us to work in areas where we need to forgive. And as we do that, Lord, you will get all honor and all glory, for in it we will fulfill your will and your good purpose. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.